Hey everybody, this is Jamie Nunley, lead pastor of Victory Fellowship Church. Thanks for listening to the VFC Sermon Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our free VFC Thomasville app, where you can access all of our messages, sermon notes, announcements, and small group lessons. This app is the easiest way to keep up with everything going on here at VFC. So please enjoy the following sermon. We hope it encourages you in your walk with Jesus and helps you to belong, believe, and become. Enjoy. I've seen that video several times, and every time I'm like, okay, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> right? Happy Easter, you guys. Happy Resurrection Day. You guys look fantastic, man. I mean, like, all in your pastel colors and stuff. Really nice. Really nice. Make sure you get a picture. Uh, our, our family usually gets Easter pictures because it's when uh, we are actually dressed up for once. Uh, and yes, this is dressed up. So... Uh, <laughs> So glad that you guys are here. So glad you made it through the mess, through the mud, through the parking. Uh, your car is safe somewhere, okay? We'll, we'll lead you to it afterwards. Uh, love, everyone showed up. Now you know why we're building a new sanctuary, right? Yeah, we need the room. We do. Um, I'm so excited, you guys, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus today. Uh, y'all, the resurrection of Jesus has real impact on the world around us. It's not just something to believe, like it literally splits time. And, 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 it, and it makes a big difference to the reality of who you are and, and, and what God is doing in your life. Resurrection's a big deal. All, all of Christianity hinges on it. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Corinthians says that if the resurrection didn't happen, then you should pity Christians. You should feel sorry for them. But the resurrection did happen. As a matter of fact, I encourage you, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is the resurrection chapter. He defends the fact that the resurrection happened, that over 500 people saw Jesus after he had died. Uh, and then he even talks about when we resurrect, what will happen. It's, it's an amazing passage of scripture. If I'm being honest... As I look at sermons that are preached, as I listen to songs that we sing in our churches, uh, they're very focused on the cross. And the cross is amazing. The, the cross, the crucifixion of Jesus uh, was, was such an amazing act of love. But I just want to remind you that the empty grave is also an incredible thing. And that's why we celebrate resurrection. The cross is Jesus's death for me. And the empty grave is Jesus's life for me. The cross gets me into heaven and the empty grave gets heaven into me. The cross reveals Jesus as savior, but the empty grave reveals Jesus as king, victorious over everything. The cross paid for my sin. The empty grave means that the payment was accepted. The check cleared, God accepted the sacrifice, and now you and I can be forgiven and cleansed from our sin. Amen? Such good news. Do you guys like plot twists in movies or in books? Unexpected endings? I love reading a book or watching a movie where I can't guess what's about to happen. 
I think that's so much fun. Uh, and, and, you know, if you look at different movies and things, uh, way back when, I think a major one uh, was The Planet of the Apes. Charlton Heston, you remember Planet of the Apes? You know, and I'm about to ruin it, but you had over 50 years to watch it, okay? <laughs> so I'm not really sorry for that. So at the end of the movie, it, they realize it's actually Earth. They're on Earth. You see the Statue of Liberty, and everyone was like, yeah, right? It's like big, big deal. For me, one of the plot twists that just as a kid just totally blew my mind was this, the Star Wars original trilogy. Any Star Wars fans out there? Man, the second movie, Empire Strikes Back, where Darth Vader tells Luke that he's his father? No. I'm your father. As a little kid, I was like, what? But he's, he's the bad guy, and Luke's the good guy, but how can they, what? I could not, my little brain could not handle that information at that age. Of course, the next movie, you find out that Luke and Leia were brother and sister, and they actually kissed in the, I mean, and that was weird, so that we're just not going not gonna to talk about that one, another twist. Um, Disney. God likes plot twists. If you look at the story of creation, you look at the story of Israel, and you look at the story of Jesus, I think he likes coming in when it looks like all is lost and saving the day. I think he loves plot twists. Just when people think everything is falling apart, he causes everything to fall into place. Just when you think you're done, he turns a dead end into a doorway. I think he loves plot twists. And I think uh, the problem is we, especially in America, and especially in the Southeast in America, we're so familiar with the story of Jesus. Even people who don't believe in Jesus as Savior like kind of know a lot of the story, if not most of the story of Jesus. And that familiarity has caused us to sometimes forget how amazing what happened really was. You know, I I sometimes get to share overseas and, and I'll talk with people who have literally never heard of Jesus, which is hard for us to imagine that. And I'll share, I'm like, so I'm like, so this man was born. (laughs) 2,000 years ago, and he was sinless. I'm like, really? Yeah. And then they killed him. What? No, I know. And it, but get, get this, three days later, he rose again. And they're like, what? And now he offers you the chance to raise again. Are you interested? They're like, yes, I'm interested. And for us, we're like, yes, yeah, Jesus, no big deal. Right? And so what I want to do is I want to talk through the different plot twists throughout the the resurrection story of Jesus and go through these plot twists. And I hope that you see the Easter story, the resurrection story through the lens of these plot twists and it's new and it's fresh to you. Of course, the whole story of Jesus starts out with a major plot twist. Mary's like, who's the father? Right, that's a big one. It's a big one. His ministry continues on. And then one of the first major plot twists that we see is that Jesus is betrayed by one of his disciples. Now, see, you know that story. You're familiar with that. You even know his name. It's Judas. But but that was a major plot twist. I want you to remember Judas heard every single sermon that the other disciples heard. 
He saw every single miracle that the other disciples saw. He he was trusted enough to to be over the money for Jesus' ministry. He was friends with Matthew. He was friends with John and Peter and Andrew. They were buddies. They did life together for three years. They left their jobs. They left their family to go follow Jesus. So much so that at the the Last Supper, Jesus says, you know, one of you is going to betray me. And the disciples are like, is it me? Is it me? Why? No one said, when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, no one was like, oh, yeah, it's Judas. I I know. He's he's a mess. That dude's life is a dumpster fire. It's going to be Judas. No one guessed that. They were like, oh, no, is it is it me? It's a major plot twist that one of his own, one of his inner, there were more than 12 disciples, that, that, that his inner circle would betray him. Another plot twist shortly after that is when Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. Now, see, you know that story. You're like, yeah, Jesus, he's a servant. He was calling people. Do you know the context? Sometimes you have to put the gospels together to get a full picture. So Jesus had just finished the Last Supper, which was Passover for them, Passover meal. And so he hands them bread. He says, this is my body. They drink from a cup. This is my blood, right? And then something that shouldn't surprise us at all happens. The disciples start arguing about which one of them is best. And they're sitting here with Jesus in the flesh. They're just celebrating, a, the ratifying of a new covenant in his blood. They're like, yeah, 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 that's cool, Jesus. Uh, who's the best? <laughs> and so Jesus then says, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you how to answer this question. He gets up and he fills a basin filled with water and he grabs a towel. And the disciples that point, at this point are thinking, oh, no, he's going to ask me to wash his feet. I, I was wrong. It's not me. I'm not the one who is the best. I'm, I'm not the one... I, he, he's going he's gonna to humiliate me. Because see, you need to understand, washing of feet was done by the lowest of the low servants. You walked into someone's house, you didn't even look, at, you just paused while they did their thing and you were greeting the person of the house. Uh, and, and then you moved on. You didn't even pay attention to them. And no, no one washed feet. No one with any significance at least. So he goes, okay, we're about to wash feet. And they're like, oh no. It's probably going to be me he's going to choose. He gets down on his hands and knees, and he starts to wash their feet. Plot twist. Major plot twist. And he goes, this is the way that my servants will serve one another. (laughs) Another plot twist. Jesus is betrayed. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then Peter cuts off someone's ear. I don't, know what, I don't know what the payoff was for Peter. It's like, I just hate that ear. Like, I don't know. Maybe he was aiming for the neck. Ah, not totally sure. But Peter draws his sword when they arrest Jesus, and he cuts off the ear of a guy named Malchus. Jesus heals his ear in that moment. I was thinking about this yesterday. I was talking to Tiffany about it. You know, the lost don't hear God. Because the the truth of the Spirit is spiritually discerned. And some Christians trying to defend Jesus are acting in such a way that's cutting off the ears of unbelievers. Where they can't hear even further because of how we are talking to them. But Jesus doesn't want to cut off their ears. He wants to restore their hearing. 
May we never be a church. May I never be a believer that cuts off the ears of unbelievers. May I always be one who prays for their hearing to be restored. So then Jesus is is taken through an illegal trial. And there are even more plot twists. The Jews want to release Barabbas instead of Jesus. See, on Passover, the Romans granted uh, the Jews a release of a prisoner. And this was typical of Jewish culture. You know, they had years of jubilee where debts were forgiven and things like that. So the Romans were like, okay, we'll release one of your prisoners. And so Pilate's like, so you're, you're going to want me to release Jesus, right? And they go, no, no, we want Barabbas. Now, so you need to understand something about Barabbas. He was a known murderer. He had incited riots all over the city. You would have known his name. Everyone knew his name. Like, I mean, he would have been up there with like a, like Ted Bundy or, or Jeffrey Dahmer or one of those names like, ooh, right? Barabbas. And they said, no, 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 no. We don't want Jesus to be released. We want Barabbas to be released. Major plot twist. Major plot twist. Of course, what we learn from that is that just like Barabbas, we are the ones bound in sin. We are the ones condemned to death. But yet Jesus paid for our sin. And we can be free just like Barabbas was. But major plot twist. No one saw that coming. That they wouldn't, they wouldn't uh, receive him instead of Jesus to be released. Then, incredibly, Jesus is beaten to a bloody pulp and crucified. Like, imagine the disciples. Now, most of, of them at this part, at this point, had scattered. But again, Jesus had more than 12. He sent 70 out on missionary journeys. There are a lot of people. Jesus' uh, mother Mary was there. They're watching this. They're watching him get beaten, flogged, and almost to the point of death. And they're like, Jesus, what are you, what are you doing? See, you know the end of the story. They didn't. They're like, Jesus, we've seen you heal people. We've seen you raise people from the dead. What are you doing, man? Get up. Show them who's boss. Show us that power that you've been showing us for the last three years. And instead, he's allowing himself to get mercilessly tortured. And they're thinking, what are you doing, man? And maybe, maybe okay, so we get the flogging. We get, maybe, maybe once he's on the cross, then it's going to happen. Then he's going to come off the cross and be triumphant. We're really going to show everyone then. And then he dies. What? I left my family and my job and everything to follow this guy. I believed he's the Messiah and he, he just dies on me? What? It's a major plot twist. Major plot twist. And then, unbelievably, he's resurrected. He's resurrected. He comes back. He comes back. And, and, and incredibly, he, no one was expecting this. See, again, we know about the resurrection. But at that time, no one was expecting a resurrection. The, the first people to see Jesus were, were the women that were bringing spices to anoint his body. Not because they thought uh, that he was alive, but because they knew he was dead. They didn't think he was going to resurrect. They had no idea. 
And then Peter and John run to the tomb, which by the way, John's account of the gospel, John makes sure he puts in there that he outran Peter. He goes, and uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved got there first, Peter. I love that little dig. <laughs> and then, and then, then uh, he appears to Mary Magdalene. And then all the disciples are behind closed doors. They're scared, right? And then all of a sudden, boom, Jesus. They're like, whoa, <laughs> you're here, you're alive. And he begins to talk to them. And interestingly, Thomas was not there, one of the 12. Thomas was not there. We don't know why he wasn't there. But that's why you don't miss church, guys. You never know when Jesus is going to walk through the walls. You never know what's going to happen, okay? Say, so, Thomas, you missed it. <laughs> you missed it. He was here. He's like, whatever, until I see the scars. So Jesus shows up again. He's resurrected. What a plot twist. No one saw that coming. No one expected that to happen. He was raised back to life. Then... He ascends into heaven. <laughs> he ascends into heaven. So he's, he's, he spends about 30 days with them, teaching them, calling them into ministry. He tells Peter, well, you know, do you love me more than these fish? <laughs> and, and, and he spends time with them. And then he ascends into heaven. He says, look, Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I, I'm going to get out of here. And then he, oh, he ascends, right? You know what the disciples asked him right before he ascended? They said, is this the time, Lord, when you're going to like kick the Romans out and restore the greatness of Israel? He's like, oh, God, okay, I'm out. <laughs> he's just, he's, <laughs> I'm, I'm done. Have you, those of you that are parents of young children, like, you know, the kids start asking you questions like, why is the sky blue? Like, why can't we eat now? I'm hungry. Why, why, why? I just want to ascend, like, and I'm out. <laughs> Jesus ascends. It's like, wait a minute, you were here, we believe that you came from God, then you died, that was, that was tough, Jesus. Then you rose again, and now you're leaving again. But Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go, because the Holy Spirit will be with you. All these plot twists, what's the point? Well, here's the good news. You can have your own plot twist. Amen. You can have your own plot twist. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. All that matters is if you decide to follow Jesus from here on out, you too can have your own plot twist. I want to read to you Romans chapter 5, 6 through 11. It's a longer passage. I'm reading in the New Living Translation. By the way, if you go to our app and you click on Sundays at VFC, you can see the sermon notes all the references, all the points that I'm making. It says this, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Man, I love that. He didn't wait until we had some sort of revelation of who he was. He didn't wait until we had it all together. He, he didn't wait uh, uh, until everything was just right and we finally understood who we really was. No, no, no. While we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. By the way, I love you guys, but I'm not looking to die for anyone. That's not my goal. Who can I die for today? No one. That's not my goal. 
right? So he's saying, like, look, like someone might be willing to die for like a really good person. Verse 8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Real quick, there is such a thing as the wrath of God. But it's also often misunderstood. The wrath of God exists. But the wrath of God was placed on Jesus. So those of us in Christ won't experience it. That's good news. That's a good place for an amen. Really good news. Now, so what, 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 about, what about today? Well, right now, and you can read this. This is Romans chapter 1 and 2. It's particularly chapter 2. It says, God is storing up wrath for the day of judgment. And those of us who don't know Jesus, who aren't following him, Jesus has not taken the wrath for your sin, and you'll have to pay for your own sins. But there's a window of grace, you guys. Man, I pray that you've taken that window of grace. I pray, I pray that you've taken that opportunity. The wrath of God is real, but it's not now. You still have opportunity to receive grace. Verse 10, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Verse 11, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Oh my goodness. That's incredible. Because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, you've gone from enemy of God to friend of God. You've gone from death to life. His death certificate created your spiritual birth certificate. If you die with him in crucifixion, you will live with him in resurrection. Amazing. I want to illustrate this plot twist through an analogy. I like to call this God Mountain. God Mountain. I haven't shared this in a really long time. I want you to imagine this huge, massive mountain. And at the top of this mountain sits God in all of his glory and all of his goodness, all of his splendor. God's up there. And at the bottom of this mountain is humanity. And we're looking up and we're like, whoa, he's God. And we know we're not God, and we know we can't ever make it up there. But what we begin to do is we begin to create systems and programs to try to scale the mountain to reach God. And so we come up with things like, like Buddhism, you know, where there's an eightfold path, and we just need to try to follow the eightfold path, and, and then one day we'll reach God. But it doesn't reach God. And then we say, well, maybe it's, it's Hinduism and through enlightenment and reincarnation, I can reincarnate and reincarnate and eventually, but you can't, it doesn't scale the mountain. It doesn't bring you to God. And then you say, well, what about Islam? And Islam, where the idea is that your works outweigh uh, your sins. But the problem is adding bad to good doesn't make good. I mean, adding good to bad doesn't make good. It just makes a mixture and that doesn't scale the mountain. It doesn't reach God. And then you look at Judaism, the system of laws and sacrifices. 
following the law in, in hopes that that's going to make you right with God, but it doesn't scale the mountain. And, and, and God said, this is not how we're saved. There's even a Christian religion where we try to, in our own ability, through our own works, well, I got to go to church, I got to sing the songs, I got to read my Bible, but you don't know Jesus. You're just doing religious activity. And that's, that's, that doesn't scale the mountain either. None of these ways are good enough to scale the mountain and reach God. Plot twist. Jesus comes down off the mountain to us. Instead of us trying to reach him, he comes down and reaches us. Then, of course, we kill him because that's what we do. But what does he do? He, he rises again and he invites us, hey, if you believe in me, I'll take you back up to the Father. And it's not your effort that scales the mountain into God's presence. It's his effort. Y'all, God is not the recipient of our action. We are the recipient of his. Jesus, you know, your salvation was not your idea. It's not. It was his idea. You just got to receive it. It's his idea. And so our relationship with him causes us to do things. There's sacraments, things like baptisms and, and, and uh, communion and things like that. And then we, we practice our relationship like we worship him, we pray, we read scripture, we congregate together, together, fellowship together. We do good deeds, we do good works. But these things are done in the intimacy of faith, not the insecurity of fear. These things are done because we know a person. These things are done because of a relationship with the one who left heaven to come to us. All of our efforts to scale the mountain are no good. You know, you can know God. Not just know about God. Not just know the information pertaining to God. Not just know the facts of of the birth of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. You can actually know Jesus. You can actually get to know him personally. You do this by following him. You follow him. You do what he does. You say what he says. You go where he goes. You follow him. And then when you die, you follow him all the way into heaven. Because that's where he is. And it's like, well, then there's no more fear. There's no more fear. Well, am I going to make it? Am I going to make it into heaven? Am I going to hell? Are you following Jesus? Because if you follow Jesus, that's where he is. And that's where you go. It's not complicated. We get our own plot twist. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You can have a plot twist in your life. And my question to you this morning is that, have you embraced God's divine plot twist? He wants to make a surprise change in your life. He wants to do something you didn't expect in your life. He wants to bring healing where you thought there was no healing. He wants to bring restoration in areas where you thought would never be restored. He wants to bring resuscitation to areas that you thought were dead. But you have to receive this plot twist. And he's inviting you today. Let's stand for prayer. Let's all take a moment. If you will, close your eyes.
Begin to focus on the Lord. Begin to consider his love. Consider his mercy. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving us so much that you died. I want you to ask the Lord this question in your own thoughts, in your own words. Am I walking in resurrection power? Am I acting as if the resurrection were true? Do I act like the penalty for my sin was placed on you? When you ask the Lord that question, what's that thought that you think in response? Maybe you're trying to scale God Mountain on your own. Maybe you thought it was through your own efforts and ability that you would somehow reach God's presence. Spoiler alert, you can't make it. I'm sorry, you, you just can't make it. You need help. The good news, Jesus came down. He came to you. And he wants to carry you back up. With everyone's eyes closed and head bowed, I, I want to ask you a serious question. I want you to consider this. Do you know Jesus? Notice, I didn't ask, have you been to church? I didn't ask, do you know about Jesus? Do you know the facts? Do you know him? Are you, and here's how you, well, I don't know. Here's how you know. Are you following him? I can't think of a better time than Easter to, to surrender your life to him. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, there's never been a point in time where you surrendered it and you said, Lord, I am no longer in the driver's seat. My life belongs to you. And you want to make that commitment. Will you raise your hand? Raise it real high so we can see you. I see you. Who else? I see you. Who else? I see you in the back. Three. Anyone else? Thank you, Father. You can put your hands down. We're going to give you instructions in just a moment on what to do. We want to pray with you so that you know that you know that you know. Please follow those instructions when we give them to you. For all of us, I'd love, I'd love to lead us all in a prayer where we surrender again our lives to the Lord. We embrace the plot twist and we walk in resurrection power. If you will, pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you came for me. The cross and resurrection was a rescue mission. Thank you for rescuing me. I pledge my life to you. And I ask that you would provide your power, your grace, and your love in my life so I can be who you've called me to be. I embrace your plot twist. I get a new ending. A better ending where I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. And when I die, I'll follow you into heaven. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son for me. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Good. Hey, once again, thanks for listening to the VFC podcast. If you live in the Thomasville area, we would love for you to connect with us in person. For more information about our weekly gatherings, including service times and directions, just visit us at bfcthomasville.org.